0: I know it's just gone one week. It seemed like a lot longer than one week, and I missed being here. I missed our Sunday mornings together, and so I'm so glad to be back. And we're going to continue in our sermon series on the transformed life, and we're using Romans 2:2, 2, 2, kind of our go-to verse, as we look at all. I'm sorry, Romans 12:2, as we look at all of Romans 12. Um, it says, "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed." By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So each week we're looking at different parts of Romans chapter 12. As Paul tells us, if we're living the transformed life, this is what your life will look like. And and so two weeks ago we talked about unity and and the power of unity in the church. Uh, He says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. So we're called to be one. Even though there's many of us, we're called to be one. We're called to unity. And more than any organization on earth, the church should just radiate unity. And and then he talked about we have different gifts, right? We all have different skills and abilities and all these things. He says we all have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. and, And we each need to be doing our part. You see, there's many people in the church that do many things, And then there's many people in the church that do no things. And so if we all did one thing, if we all had that thing, think what that would be like in the church. That would be a powerful, unifying thing if we all had that one thing and we all were doing it together in this unity. And today we're going to continue with this idea of unity, but we're going to be looking at ourselves uh, because really, unity begins with us. In our lives, we can create unity and we can destroy unity. Uh, that can happen at work. It can happen in our families. It can happen in our church community. We can create it or destroy it. And before we get to that, I just want to tell you about one of the fa- my favorite things I ever experienced in my life. And that's when I was a water boy in high school. or Not in high school. <laughs> a little kid. So starting at seven years old. I got the the privilege, my dad was a football coach, I got to be the water boy. And so from seven years old through seventh grade, I got to be the water boy. And so every Friday night in the fall, I would put on the quarterback's jersey, and it went all the way down to my ankles, probably still would today, but it. I had to... Sh- Tucked that thing in, and the, the, the shirt went all the way down to my, my uh, wrist, but man, I was so proud to wear that jersey, and I loved everything about being a water boy, and I will say this. I was the best water boy ever, and in fact, I will not watch the movie Water Boy because it dishonors <laughs> good water boys, and so I refuse to watch it, but I mean, I did so many vital things for our team as water boy. I mean, they got tired. I gave them water. If someone was hurt and on the ground, I would go and I'd give them water. And I did all kinds of things like that, like give them water because I was the water boy. And so I was a vital part of our team. But I, every Friday night, my favorite part about being water boys right before the game. And I would get to go into the locker room with all these big high school football players and and I'd listen to my dad give this stirring motivational talk and then they would all run out of the locker room and they always stopped right by the gate of the field and they'd be jumping up and down. And then I took my position at the front of the pack. Little Chris, you can imagine how cute I was too. (laughs) Little Chris, I took my spot in front of that team and when they... When it was time, I took off running with all my might, and I led the team out onto the field. And I, I remember being a little nervous because I would, I mean, I think as fast as I could run having these guys behind me, but you would go through the cheerleaders You would go through the band, and the drill team, and the fans, and our tunnel at our school had to kind of wind because it was so long to get to the sidelines, and I would run with all my might, and there was nothing like it as this little seven-year-old having all these people cheer for me because they knew how vital I was to the team, (laughs) and so here I'm running through that tunnel. The cheerleaders are are cheering. The band's playing for me. All these things are happening. Now, I know it wasn't for me, but... There was I can still say there's nothing like being cheered for, right? When a whole bunch of people are cheering for you. But then, you know what I did the rest of the game? I cheered for our team. I mean, I we're going to talk about zeal later, but I had enthusiasm and energy for our football team. There was something about when you cheer for people. It's as powerful as being cheered for. There's something about it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. As, as Paul goes on, and he talks about we're going to live this transformed life. So what's that going to look like? Well, it says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And, and so for living this transformed life... Paul's saying, well, we need to love each other sincerely. Not, not just on the surface, but genuinely love each other. We need to be devoted to one another. We need to be there for each other, to pray for each other, to lift each other. You need to honor others above yourself. That means you're lifting others up and you're, you're honoring them, kind of like we did with Anna before the service. We need to honor each other. In other words, we need to cheer for each other. We need to be for each other. That's the way the church should function. The church should absolutely radiate unity. Uh, yesterday, I had this amazing experience. Of, if you guys all know um, Trey Monday, he was a friend. They've come to this church from time to time, but their son Jack almost two years ago passed away in a car accident. and And they started this organization just called the Jack Monday Surf Experience and what they're doing is they're taking special needs kids and giving them an opportunity to surf and 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 so us volunteers, we had like eight kids out there, eight special needs kids, and we must have had 25 volunteers. I mean, it was awesome, but each kid had a team with them. So you can see that's my team. The first kid I took out was Ian. He's in the orange shorts. I'm in the blue shirt. And, and me and the, the guy in the, the wetsuit, he was a wimp. He thought the water was cold. Um, Laughter we were the adults, and so we went out with Ian, and we he couldn't paddle. He couldn't get on the board himself, so we had to carry him out, put him on the board. We had to help push him out through the waves, and then we'd get him turned around. We'd push him into the waves, and the three teenagers there, they were there to catch him after he caught the wave at the beach and kind of get him started back out, but the experience was amazing. We were the first ones to go out, and the first wave that Ian caught, he caught it. was. Beautiful, I mean, he didn't stand up, he's laying down, but it's this beautiful wave, and the beach has all these other volunteers, and they're all cheering for Ian. These three kids that didn't know Ian, I didn't know these kids, they're high-fiving them, we're all high-fiving each other. It was this amazing, we didn't even know each other before we started. And then, all of a sudden, you experience things, you're cheering for this kid. To do something, to experience something, and it creates this powerful unity to where you're all all of a sudden binded together, you're high-five, and you get out of the water, people in the beach are like, good job out there. I mean, it was it was an experience, and, and I look at that experience and go, Man, isn't that what we should be? We should always be teaming up to cheer for each other. We should be high-fiving each other. It should be this experience. Now, now, Paul. He wrote another letter in Galatians to the church in Galatians. And he talks about this. He talks about this freedom that we have when we are followers of Jesus. But but he gives us this warning. Don't use your freedom for bad things. Use it for good things. He says, in fact, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Use your freedom in Christ to serve each other. And love. I mean, that, the whole law is wrapped up in what? <laughs> to love each other. Uh, th- that, that summarizes this whole thing. And so, so we should be cheering for each other. We should be for each other. We should love genuinely. And, and now, unfortunately, there's another side to all this, right? And, and the other side is we don't cheer for each other. And we don't genuinely love. And when there's this negativity that happens, and what happens? It wrecks unity. And so Paul goes on in Galatians 5, and he says, But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. And unfortunately, I've been a pastor long enough. I've seen this happen in the church. I've seen people start to bite and devour and be negative and say bad things and gossip, and all it does is hurt everybody involved. And I haven't just seen it in church. I've seen it in offices. I've seen it in schools. It, it, it's not a pretty thing, and, and that is what wrecks unity. Uh, Paul tells us. He says, "Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good." And, and, and so, when we think of these things that are evil, basically you're saying, "Well, a lack of genuine love—that's the evil part, right? Negativity towards other, gossip, disrespect—those are the evil things." Now, you don't hate the people doing it you hate the action of it because those things are the things that destroy unity and if we're hateful and we're negative and we're just mean it it hurts people but it's amazing just like us cheering for Ian it was felt good when you're negative and hurtful and gossiping guess what it hurts you too we all feel it. Nothing good comes out of that. And, and if we're going to love each other, if we're going to be for each other, if we're going to create unity, we can't do it if we're angry. We can't do it if we're bitter, or if we're holding a grudge, if we're in the midst of conflict. We've got to be able to get those things out of our lives. Now, we all get our feelings hurt. I, I, I've been, I've worked different jobs. I've been in offices. Like I said, I've been in schools. I've been in churches. And I've had people gossip. I've had people say mean things about me that have got back to me, and it, it hurts. It, it, it hurts my feelings. It, it's not a good feeling to walk into a group and know somebody is against you. That That is not a nice feeling, is it? But there's also a humble side of it when you go, wow, I've also done that to other people. I've been part of that in my life. I, I've hurt people in that way, and so this, this humility to be able to say, okay, I, I know what that feels like. I shouldn't be doing it to others. And and so when people do attack, when when there is the gossip, when there's the negativity, when when there's just people being mean, how do we respond to that? Well, first of all, we can't control other people's feelings. We can't control their emotions. We can't control their actions. But we can control ours. And so how we respond to these situations makes all the difference. Now, I, I do want to note, I want to add this in there just, just for health reasons. There's, there are people out there that are not healthy. And, and there, there are situations when people are hurt physically, they're hurt emotionally, people are afraid of them. In those situations, that's not what I'm talking about. Those situations, yes, you need to be away from them. That's the healthiest thing. But you can also love from a distance. You can forgive from a distance. You can let go of grudges from a distance. And in those situations, it's best to get away. And that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about our body right here. And, and so what I want us to understand that when somebody attacks, when there's gossip, when there's negativity, how we respond makes all The difference. And and what I would love for us just to think about is if there's someone in your life right now, most of us probably have at least one conflict. And maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, maybe it's maybe it's here in the church, maybe it's just in your neighborhood. And if you think about that person, maybe they've said some terrible things. But what if what if this week you went out of your way to genuinely love them? maybe cheer for them, maybe just to, just to ask about what's going on in their lives. It just take some time to genuinely love and cheer for somebody, and, and my question would be, would it make your life worse if you did that, or would it make your life better? I, I can't think of a situation where it wouldn't make your life better. It, it's hard to do, we all know that, right, but it's the right thing to do. And if we're going to live a transformed life, how do we do that? Well, we do that by renewing our mind. And so we love sincerely, we forgive easily, we cheer for people, we honor people, we listen, we're nice (laughs) to people. And as our lives are transformed, it's a renewing of our mind, and that renewing of our mind is also helped by the Spirit of God, the gift that we have as followers of Jesus. You know, it's interesting in, in my my life. I I knew a guy, and this guy. Every time he got in the highway, he got so angry. I mean, there, he he would go to get on the highway, and the car wouldn't let him merge on. Man, he would just get so upset. And then, then you'd get on the highway, and there he is going, and and some guys going. 65. That's the speed limit, people. I mean, go faster. And so, so you're upset at that person. And then there's you get out in the fast lane, and some guy's going 100 and comes up right behind you, weaving in and out of traffic. And ah, this guy would get really angry. And just to be honest with you, this guy is actually me. But <laughs> I'm just going to say that was last week, people. And the thing about when you preach... You sit down on Monday and you start to go through what you're going to say and, you, and, and you're praying and you're going through this and all of a sudden you go, oh no, this is me. Oh, God's talking to me and you've got to deal with yourself all week, right? And It's, it's a huge responsibility to stand up here because Max rides with me sometimes when I take him to school and he's like, yep, yeah, that's him, that's him. And so this week, I said, okay, God, I know you're talking to me, so I'm going to do an experiment this week. And I decided when I got on the highway to come to church, I was going to do everything I could to love people and (laughs) to cheer for them. So. Now, it's tough to do when you're driving, but I here I come, I got on, it's day one, and I'm getting on to the highway, and some guy doesn't let me merge in, and I'm okay with it, I just slowed down, got behind him, I just thought, hey, they're just enjoying their drive, it's all good, and then then I'm going, and within seconds, vroom, you know, the California highway, some guy goes by going at least 100 in the super loud car, and man, that does something to your insides, but I said... Go get him, buddy. <laughs> I hope you make it to work on time. And if you're going to your son's birthday party, man, I hope you're on time. And so I cheered for him. And it's as goofy as you can possibly get. But if you change your attitude even like that, it becomes funny. And it becomes, it, you can make it into a game. And, and honestly, by the time I got to work, I felt great. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't angry. I felt great. And, and I thought, that's such a silly example, right? But what, what if there's the person at work? Oh, every time you walk in, they've got that negative glare, that everything's bad. And you walked in, and you just spilled this positivity on them. You spilled this genuine love on them. And you just start asking them about their weekend, To asking them if you can you know, be praying for them about something, about whatever it is. But, but if your attitude towards them begins changing, you begin to cheer for this person, it's going to be really hard for them to hate you. I mean, it really is. If you're cheering for somebody, man, that would be very, very difficult for them not to. Respond. Here, it can apply with your neighbors in every area of life. What we spill out is so important, but it's what we fill up on, right? And the most powerful way to share the love of Jesus is not to preach at somebody, but the most powerful way to show the love of Jesus is with your attitude and your actions. With your attitude and your actions. And now, Paul goes on in this idea of this transformed life. What's it going to look like? And he says, well, if you're living the transformed life, in verse 11, says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I I never really thought about zeal. I always kind of knew what it meant, but I looked up the definition and I love it. It says, if you have zeal, you have energy and enthusiasm for a cause. I love that. I have energy and enthusiasm for Lost Floors Church. Energy and enthusiasm for sharing the love of Jesus with our community. I love this idea of having zeal, this spiritual fervor, in serving the Lord. Man, could you imagine if we all had that kind of zeal? You'd be like me as a water boy at Topeka West High School. You'd be so excited to do your one thing, to be part of this community, this, this energy, this enthusiasm. For what? For sharing the love of Jesus and for the health of our church, the unity of our church. And, and, and the other part, is, as followers of Jesus, this, this talks about this spiritual fervor, is referring to the spirit that Jesus gives us. And so Paul in Galatians says, so I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. So, so if we add in Galatians chapter 5 into this and decide that the Spirit should guide our lives, Paul says, your attitude and actions reflect that. What are they going to reflect? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I, that is such a powerful statement. There's no law. No government has ever made a law against love, against joy, against peace. And no school makes it a law. You can't do that in school, right? All these things are things that everyone wants to experience. And when you have full of that and you're spilling that out, guess what? People aren't going to be against you. They're going to be for you. They're going to want to be with you because these are beautiful things, and so so when we let the Spirit of God guide our lives with this zeal, this enthusiasm, this, this energy, these are the things that are going to be spilling out of us. We're going to be spilling out this genuine love, and we're going to actually care about each other. We're going to be lifting each other up in prayer. We're gonna, there's going to be this camaraderie. It's going to be this beautiful thing. Last week, I was back in Kansas, and I've told you before, my dad was a high school football coach for 40 years. 40 years is a long time. And he always said he spent his life pouring himself into teenagers and would kind of roll his eyes like, you know how hard that is to pour yourself into teenagers. But he loved them so well. I mean, my dad's... (laughs) He has a genuine love for the kids he coached. In fact, we went back there for this golf tournament that's called the Frank Walden Classic. It's in honor of him. It raises money for Topeka West football. That's all a good cause. But what's amazing is there's all these teams in this, all these kids, hundreds of kids come back, not to play golf, and I'm sure it's to raise money, but mainly it's to see my dad because my dad made an impact on them. So he loved them. And now you go to this tournament, and kids ranging from 40 years old to one comes back from Pennsylvania from his very first team this time that's 69 years old. It was on my dad's first team. And he loved him. Now that he has, he has cancer, and people want to see him, and they want to love him, they want to be for him. Why? Because he was for them. He loved them. He poured himself into them, and now they're pouring themselves into him. And that's the kind of life I want to live. I want us to live. I want us to love each other so genuinely that love just spills out into each other, that we are cheering for each other, that we're honoring each other above ourselves, that there's just this this love that's just contagious in this place, Darn it, now I can't see my notes because I'm crying. (laughs) But there's another side to this. And it says the Holy Spirit does not guide your lives. What does it look like? And so Paul goes on. He says, then you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. There's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And as I counted those up this week, and there's 15 different things that Paul mentions, and eight of them, so over half of them, are about how we treat other people. It's about a relationship with other people. If if the Holy Spirit's not guiding you, then what do you do? Well, you've got division. You've got you've got anger. You've got selfishness, and these are those things that we are supposed to hate—not the person, but we hate these actions because what do they do? They destroy unity. They, they they take away from that loving bond that we should be creating. And so, as followers of Jesus, we're called to hate. What is evil? And those things are evil. Now we don't hate the person, we hate that action. And now we have the right in the church, in our church community, that when we hear negativity, when we hear gossip, when we hear hatefulness, that we can say to someone, hey you need to go to the person you're talking about because I don't want to participate in this. You need to go to them and handle that. that that's every, we have every right to do that because that stuff has to be stopped at some point. We, we can't do that stuff because not only does it hurt the church as a whole, but it hurts you as an individual. And, and so, so we have that right. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called to love and love creates unity. This week, just through texts and calls, I must have had five people text me or call me with really good news. And it was so much fun because I got to celebrate with them. I, I mean, one person passed a test. Another person's doing great after having a hip replaced. Another person got to buy the gym that he wanted to buy. And there's, there's this, this excitement, man. When good things are happening in each other's lives, we celebrate, right? And there's other calls and texts that aren't so exciting, but then you still you pray with them and you love and you keep praying and you lift them up and there's this this unity in that because you genuinely love, you genuinely cheer for them. Um, (laughs) This is silly, but five gallon bucket, Lisa and I have been going to the beach and stealing rocks from the beach to put in our yard. (laughs) It's not stealing, you're allowed to get a five gallon bucket a day. But a five-gallon bucket is really heavy. So you put the rocks in there, and then to carry it to the car, you don't want to be parked far away. It is really heavy. And and so I was thinking with this five-gallon bucket, if you put water in it, if you ever carried a five-gallon bucket of paint or of water, it's really heavy. And and if there's no top on it, and you fill that thing up with water, and you start carrying it like this or from the bottom, you know what happens? The paint or or the, the water starts spilling on you. And if someone got close to me, I'd probably spill water on them, too, because that's just the way it is. It's heavy. You're carrying it around. I was thinking, you know, basically, we are all like that. We, we're carrying around in us all this stuff, and it could be hatefulness and negativity and all of that. And when we bump into someone, what happens? It spills out on them. It spills out on us. And we fill up that bucket with love and peace and joy and patience. And then we're walking around, guess what? It starts to spill on us too. And it spills on everyone we bump into because you're going to get bumped. We've all been bumped. And you get bumped, you get on the highway, what spills out? Is it hatefulness? Is it anger? Or is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? And, and really, the question is, you've got a blue card, hopefully somewhere around you. If not, steal one from somebody else. But you you have a blue card. And on that blue card, there's some questions that I want you to answer this week or this afternoon about how you can create unity, how you can love people generally, how you can cheer for people. But on the back side of that card, on the, black, on the blank side, I want you to write down how you can fill your bucket this week. What are you gonna fill it with? Because honestly, before you leave in the house, the house in the morning, you need to fill that up with love and joy and peace and patience. Because otherwise, that's not gonna spill out. So, so maybe it's the music you listen to in the morning, or maybe maybe it's meditating on God's word or, or just spending time in prayer, reading a devotional, reading God's word, whatever it is. Fill up your bucket. Do whatever it takes to fill that with love so that you can love genuinely, so you can spill that love on everyone you come in contact with. I just want to read to you our verses today, these three verses. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. and Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Aaron's going to play just a couple verses, and I'd love for you just to, if you want to write in your blue card now, that's fine, or you can just bow your heads and just think about what you're going to fill your bucket with this week.